Good morning. Coming at you on this Father's Day from the uh, recovery room over here in Brighton where there is a chance, as I am sitting on my back porch, it is 9.15 at night, Saturday night, the day before Father's Day, you might hear background fireworks because it is that time of year where the fireworks go off all night for some reason. Uh, it's It's... You know, to be honest with you, it's a hopeful thing that they're fireworks. What with the scary shit that's been going on in the city last couple of weeks? Let's just hope it's fireworks. No, it, for the last couple of years, I don't remember it being this way. It was, you know, the fireworks thing obviously always happened, but it was always a 4th of July and like maybe the day before, day after, a couple days before, a couple days after. Now it's like all summer, fireworks Every night. I don't know where the hell they get the money. Whoever's setting off these fireworks. Are they making the fireworks? Like, what the hell? Any hoot. Yeah, I just heard one. I Again, I don't know if it's going to come through on the mic, but I just heard like a loud boom. Like, what the hell? Not even in the city. I'm all the way over in Brighton. Sounds like a war. Anyway, happy Father's Day, everybody. Uh, it is honestly one of my greatest joys in the world. Being a father, Leo is just, he is just perfect. And he is just blooming and becoming such a little man. And he is saying so many words, sentences. He's repeating. He's gotten to the stage where we got to watch the cursing because he will repeat the, everything we say. Um, just just absolutely perfect. And uh, tomorrow being Father's Day, because of my hernia surgery, we... Actually, kind of celebrated last weekend. Well, I should say, a couple weekends ago, my wife got me the grill. That was my Father's Day present. Then last weekend, we went out to breakfast. And tomorrow, really going to just kind of still take it easy because of, again, the hernia surgery, which I'll get to. But then um, we will go to my father-in-law's a little later in the day tomorrow, I think, for a a little cookout. That's it, though. Pretty much low-key Father's Day. Just want to be around Leo. That's all. Want to be around my little dude. Um, But it does, man. It changes a guy. Changes a man, becoming a father. It was the type of thing I thought about my whole life. You know, you think about it, you imagine it, you, you don't know what it's going to be like, and then it happens. And I think the first thing that happens is a combination of one, you think, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not ready for this. Um, and and fear, there is a fear, I think, that, that fathers feel. I think all parents feel, but fathers feel a fear. You know, you have this. This obligation, obviously, to take care of this person. And you have that with your wife or your significant other. But it's different when it's your child, right? Now it's your child. When it's your significant other, it's different because that's a partner. That's a partner. You're going to partner up and together you're going to provide for each other, right? And, And however that manifests itself, every relationship is different. But when it's a child, you're talking about a completely helpless human being somebody's 100% dependent on you to provide for them and that is something that scares the hell out of you when you're a new parent it just scares the hell out of you just to think about this person who has absolutely no ability to fend for themselves it's all on you and hopefully you have that partner you know hopefully you have the spouse who's gonna partner with you to make it happen but in the end of the at the end of the day it's you know, it's the reality of it. it's it's you and and maybe if you're lucky, your spouse. 
and you got to do everything for this person, it's scary. It changes a person. It really does. It, it brings responsibility in. And then, you know, me, of course, being a dummy, I went and quit my job about a year and a half after Leo was born and uh, went out on my own, which we will see long term if that was the right call or not. But it was, um, you know, sc- risky, scary, just just scary. So, uh, you know, the couple of things that happen are that one, you're scared. You have a child and all of a sudden you get scared. You realize it's not about you anymore. It's about this person, right? Then the other thing I would say is um, a sense of pride. So while you have the the fear of I I am now solely responsible for this completely helpless and dependent human being, you also have this sense of pride of that's a mini you, right? That's you. And again, if you're lucky enough to 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 be married, maybe it's maybe it you know it it's a your child is, in my case, it's me and my wife. It's half me. It's half her. You look down at him and you see that. You see half you. You see half her. And it's just a miracle that this happens, that this exists. And you want everything for this child. You want to do everything. You want this child to live the best possible life. And then you have to work on yourself because the number one temptation of any parent is to give your child everything they want anytime they want it. We catch ourselves all the time. In fact, the the exact chair I'm sitting in right now on my back porch, I was sitting in this exact chair 12 hours ago talking to my father-in-law about, you know, trying not to spoil him because he'll ask for something and, and it, you know, it, sometimes it's not something we want to give him. He doesn't need a second cookie, third cookie, whatever. Um, of course, I could take that advice as well. But anyway, <laughs> he doesn't need. So we'll tell him no, and he'll cry. And quite frankly, sometimes we'll give in and give him the second cookie. And so we're just talking about, you know, the the the, the part in my heart is there that just wants to give him all the cookies, right? But, and I guess it's a good metaphor, if you give him infinity cookies, he's going to get sick to his stomach and throw up. Well, that's life. That's anything. Anything you give them too much of, don't limit. That's where it's going to end up. And so I don't know if this is making sense where I'm trying to go with this. But what I'm trying to say is, in general, just you you are tempted to give this person everything they want. And then you have to work on yourself as a parent to give them the right amount of the right things at the right time. And you won't get it right. We don't get it right. I'm not right. I don't get it right. But you get it right as often as you can. And you try to minimize how often you're wrong. And hopefully you raise a good human being. And one of the scariest things is you just, you, you know, because you're messed up, right? I'm messed up. My wife is messed up. We, we you know, we're well-adjusted human beings. We live our life. We're good people. But we've got our shit. Everyone's got their shit. I've certainly got my shit. And that shit probably is rooted in childhood. And so I watch this child and I'm going, well, this boy is perfect. He's perfect. He doesn't have any shit, right? But he's a human. And at some point, he's going to pick up some shit and it's going to live with him for the rest of his life. And so I just try to, like, not be the thing that causes the shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. That made me laugh and it hurt my hernia. <laughs> 
I don't want to be the thing that causes the shit, is what I'm saying. The, whatever insecurity this little boy ends up growing up with and bringing into adulthood, just don't let it be something daddy said when he was a child or did, you know? That's the big thing. That's the big thing that I'm aiming for. Um, anyway, that's I, I said it would be a short podcast. Really, uh, I do want to just talk about the hernia surgery, and then that's about it. That's all I've got for you today. The uh, hernia surgery was on Thursday. It went well. It was at the uh, surgery center at Sawgrass. Um, I had Dr. John Rizzolo, hernia surgery. It was an umbilical hernia, so it was the kind that is like near or around your belly button, and that's what I had. I, I should have taken a picture. I don't know why I didn't. Basically, it's a, it's, I, I, I'm no doctor, so this probably isn't the exact explanation, but it's a hole in my stomach lining through which some sort of tissue is protruding. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, uh, the hernia repair is, you know, they go in through your skin, they patch the hole, put the tissue back in or cut it out if it's bad, stitch that up. So they essentially stitch up my stomach lining and then stitch up the skin over top of it. So it's almost like it's just really intense stitches or stitches inside of your body is essentially what I have. And I know that's gross and it's a lot, but it is what it is. Uh, the surgery itself was fine. I mean, it's outpatient surgery. It's simple surgery. It's the type of thing where you're in and out. I, I arrived at 7.30 a.m. I was leaving by 11 a.m., right? It's that quick, that easy. Uh, the prep was um, was simple. You know, it's a nurse and they hook you up to an IV, do a bunch of screening, blah, blah, blah. The, the interesting thing to me is the anesthesia. It's only the second time in my whole life I've been under anesthesia. But, man, that is a miracle, isn't it? Anesthesia in general is like time travel. It's like, here's what I remember. I, I'm in the surgery uh, room. They, they, have me in the, they have me in the bed. They're telling me we're ready for surgery. They ask me if I have any last-minute you know thing I need before surgery. Um, they're about to give me something. They explained to me. The first thing they gave me was literally just some Tylenol, some strong Tylenol. Then they, they give me the IV. They hook me up. They call it Gatorade, but I, whatever they're doing, they're basically they're hydrating me. And that's because I had been instructed, you know, not to eat or drink for a certain amount of time. So I was probably pretty dehydrated. So they hydrate you through the IV. And then just before they wheel you into the operating room, they kind of, you know, that's the last time you're of sound mind. So they kind of give you the opportunity. If you have any questions, any comments, blah, blah, blah. You say no. Then they explain to you that they're going to give you something to make you feel a little bit better. And, of course, I'm joking around and I'm like, it's going to make me high. And they're like, yeah, yeah, basically, yes. We're about to make you a little high. That's going to last for a few minutes. And then we're going to, uh, you know, put you to sleep. And, and that'll be that. So what I remember is being wheeled into the surgery room and being – really, it looked like it was a movie. I was put under these giant lights. There was probably five, six different doctors and nurses around me. The anesthesiologist and the anesthetist were just wonderful. They were like almost like my team, right? The, the, I remember a specific moment where the anesthetist, like she – and I don't even know if I'm saying that word right, but she basically like patted me on the shoulder kind of like it's going to be okay – just really sweet. And I, I wasn't having a hard time with it. I was very relaxed. <coughs> and this, um, whatever medicine they gave me to make me feel better, to make me a little high, to take off the anxiety just before the surgery, it really kicked in. It really worked. 
because I started feeling <laughs> pretty drunk, to be honest with you. And the very last thing I remember, they told me they were going to start introducing some of the medicine to me that was going to make me go to sleep. Okay, that's what they told me. They said, we're going to start giving it to you a little bit at a time. And I, and I said, okay. And as they did that, I started to make a small speech. Again, remember, I'm a little high. I started to make a small speech about how much I appreciated everybody in the room, everybody doing their jobs, how everybody's just so professional and I feel so safe and taken care of. And I do remember them kind of having a positive reaction to that. And then the very next thing I remember is about one and a half seconds of black. And then I woke up and the surgery was over. And that is a freaking miracle. Like, how does that work? Crazy. It really is like time travel. Um, and I woke up and I was pretty out of it. I mean, you don't wake up like this wasn't laughing gas. I didn't wake up like I got my wisdom teeth out and I was high. I woke up and I was, you know, I was still very, very tired. I was hot. I was like sweating. I didn't feel good. You know, there was pain from the actual surgery. So, um, I have to stop talking soon because it's making me cough and I can't cough because it hurts my stomach, uh, where the surgery was. But anyway. Um, then I, I basically slept for like a half hour in the post-op room. And then essentially, as soon as I really came to, you know, the nurse did a final check with me. The doctor did a final check with me and then they released me. I mean, it was pretty easy. And now I'm wearing this big stomach band around this bandage tomorrow. Sunday is actually the first time I get the chance to take a shower. Excuse me. I have to try to cough here. Ah, that's about as hard as I can cough without hurting myself. They gave me Vicodin. They gave me a big speech about the Vicodin, too, basically saying, like, there will be no refills, um, which is fine. I actually only took about four of my 20 or so pills, uh, the Vicodin, because I just wanted to um, get off it as soon as possible. And also, it constipates you. That's the other thing. And I did deal with that. And by the way, I was able to parlay that into some McDonald's. My wife, who would never in a million years buy me McDonald's, bought me McDonald's today because I told her it would make me poop. And it worked. FYI. So anyway, so I should be fine. Uh, it does still hurt a little bit. It's been a few days. At this point, it's just sore. Um, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm really not in shape to do much physically, but I'm fine overall. So should be back with a normal episode of the podcast next week. Uh, I, I'm trying to get Scott Fibush on. If you don't know Scott, Scott is a, uh, a scholar of local media and, uh, has been a guy that I've been aware of for many, many, many years. And essentially would be somebody we would talk to about the history of, local Rochester media, and probably even get into a little future. Not that he has a crystal ball, but if anyone's studied the media for long enough, it's been Scott. He may at least have an idea how this thing will shape itself up over the next bunch of years. Also, I want to announce that uh, last weekend's podcast with Simona went very well, and a local celebrity, WXXI's Evan Dawson, happened to be listening to that episode and invited both Simona and I to come on WXXI, not this week, but next week to talk about some of the cultural stuff about Italian-Italian versus American-Italian and stuff like that um, on WXXI. So that'll be really interesting and a lot of fun. I look forward to that. So in the meantime, again, the talking is making me cough. Cough is hurting my wound, so I'm going to shut up. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We'll talk next week.